Welcome to the first installment of uh, Bitcoin Magazine Happy Hour. It's going to be a weekly news roundup with some of the Bitcoin Magazine crew. Today, we've got Colin Harper with us. I'm Christian CK Snarks on Twitter. My name's Michael. My name's Cassie, also Bitcoin Cass on Twitter. Usually, we will be filming these, uh, but for you know proof of concept, first week, we're just going to record. Uh, so what are we sipping on today, guys? Uh, yeah, starting off with uh, Frost Crushable Ale. I've been wanting to try this for a long time. Uh, Cassie's over there sipping on one of my favorite Kolsch's. I've actually never had this before. It's really so good. Excited. Yeah, Mad Tree's a really good brewing company. And that's probably the best IPA outside of Beard Iris that you can get in Tennessee. Oh, nobody, nobody cares what I want to drink, dude. Yeah, wait, what <laughs> is it? What are you drinking, bro? Dude, the beer coiners might. If the, Zach Vole is listening, he definitely cares. Oh, that is pretty All good. Right. Wait, cheers, everyone. Yeah, cheers, cheers guys. Hey, on. Hey, to the moon, baby. <laughs> All right, so uh, what's on the agenda today, Colin? So we're going to be going over a few topics. Um, I think we'll start very briefly with uh, Backed, because uh, we released kind of a progress report for one of our first articles this week about what the trading volumes were compared to CME and CBOE when they first came out. Uh, I also would like for us to go over the uh, Crypto Ratings Council news, Coinbase and all of those guys coming out with kind of a uh, system for gauging how likely a coin is to be a security. And then I think we'll round it out with news about uh, Block One and uh, also Sia Coin settling with the SEC. So um, yeah, just to like go right ahead with it, um, let's start with Bact. So not very, uh, not a very explosive first week for Bact. Uh, the first 24 hours only saw 71 contracts, which ended up being around about $700,000. And at the end of the week, we had only seen, I think, $5.8 million changing hands on Bact. Damn. So, did y'all expect that to be a lot more? I mean, I think a lot of people did, yeah. right? It like, it's pretty reasonable, though. I mean, for. Something that's just starting out, I feel like any exchange or any like anything where you're trying to get more volume or you want contracts on it, it's going to be small in the beginning. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think like that was one of the takes that I saw on Twitter following because like there were a lot of like snarky like hot takes where people were like like more institutional money coming, bro, and like nothing happened. That um, is the reason Bitcoin fell. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and like. Hey, every time futures have come out, the price has dumped immediately true. after. Yeah, but like, okay, so, but for CME and CBOE, actually in the article that I wrote about this, um, Edward Moya, he's like this analyst for some, I think it's the Onanda Group, it's like a legacy finance firm, but he basically said like back in 2017, like the correlation there is actually pretty strong because all of these traditional finance guys were just itching to short Bitcoin. And then, like, you know, CBOE opens on the 13th and CME opens on the 17th, or maybe that was flipped, of December. And then, you know, Q bear market. But I think for backed, right, like, you can't make that correlation because the volume was just so thin. You know what news also came out right around that time? What? Trump's impeachment. (laughs) (laughs) Is that bad bad news for Bitcoin? Who knows? I I think that Trump is good for Bitcoin. It, Trump doesn't like Orange Bitcoin, coin go up. Though. Yeah, but he's also not paying attention at all. That's pretty true. That's yeah. pretty great. Not to have like political ignorance. Um, if, if Bitcoin uh, went up when Trump was elected, then uh, it's only fitting that it tanks and he gets uh, possibly <laughs> impeached. Um, but, but wait, turning it back to back, well, um, <laughs> what do you, does anyone here know what the volumes were on CBOE and CME when it first started? Because I know that the volumes were garbage. And then recently, people were making comparisons, comparing back volume to 
uh, BitMEX volume and comparing back volume to so CME volume. We do have data CME for that. CME is much, much higher. We do have volume. data for that. And actually, the first 24 hours of the CME's futures, which launched on the 17th of December 2018, were, or, or sorry, the 17th of De- 18th of December 2017, excuse me, were 100 million on the first day. And for the oh, CBOE, right, uh, which launched on the 12th of December 2017, were 73 million. As compared to back? Compared to Bact, which was a whole seventy seven hundred thousand dollars. Oh man! So like that's that's a pretty sizable spread, right? And like I think there are a few variables at play. Like one of the one of the threads that was hit on in this article, I talked to uh, Suzu among others. He was on Twitter talking about it a lot. His partner or founder of Three Arrows Capital. Uh, he basically said, you know, look, like. Institutional investors already have a lot of on-ramps to Bitcoin. Like people think they don't, but like between Grayscale, Fidelity, um, you know, things like the CME and CBOE, Ledger X's uh, call options, like there are a lot of 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 Bitcoin investment vehicles and products for the Wall Street traders and for the Wall Street investors, right? So it's like they don't really need backed. It's just kind of another drop in the bucket. And uh, but I'm he was also of the mindset, and I am too. That, you know, it is too early to tell, right? And, you know, $5 million worth of volume in the first week, it's not good, but it's a start, you know? What, what's, like, been the average daily volume of Bitcoin in general this week, though? That's a really good question. Um, because I feel like, in general, the volume is, like, lack of volume is kind of, like, why we're seeing the price drop. It's, like, we're not able to hold at those. Yeah, know? well, while, while you're looking up that data, I do, uh, I feel like it's a little um, different, almost, the way that back came out versus uh, those other platforms in the sense that, like you said earlier, Colin, when back to or when those other platforms came out in 2017, it was like the way that Bitcoin investors or just investors in general could finally short Bitcoin. And I also feel like that's why the volume was so high, because people were sitting there all through 2017, 16, and Bitcoin keeps going up and up and the opportunity to short is just more and more attractive. Um, and so like as soon as it was available, there was like that immediate need because of where the price was here. It's like, you know, back this really, really awesome long term. But it's like. It came out, and when it's uh, when it came out, the function that it provided kind of already existed, uh, and Bitcoin's price wasn't really in a like a unique uh, position to really like people didn't need back to capitalize on a certain opportunity that didn't that was already available. But on that note, uh, I feel like you know back is kind of one of those things that is more. I would I would draw is similar. I would draw similarities to Lightning Network uh, hmm. in the sense that it's infrastructure. It's there. Uh, it's really useful because we know what it's it's we know what it's used for and we know what it's going to do. Uh, physical delivery is you know revolutionary for something like Bitcoin with a hard cap, but yeah, you know it's something that once people actually need it, um, you know its results will be proven. Yeah, and one of the, I've been listening to a bunch of analysis about physical delivery versus cash settled, which is CME CBOE are currently cash right. settled. With cash settled, it really leaves a door open for a lot of paper Bitcoin to essentially be traded, right? So they're, they're trading Bitcoin, but Bitcoin doesn't have to be owned. Um, you know, they're really just trading contracts. Yeah. Um, now, once you have also physically settled uh, Bitcoin futures like back, like Ledger X, um, that kind of keeps the paper, the paper products honest because there's always going to be a be a spread between them and if there's an arbit if there's an arbitrage opportunity between the paper and the physically backed people will right if it's cheaper to buy the paper and then go 
make take that money and uh, and you know get physically settled Bitcoin futures on the other end, people will arb that until the uh, you know the other side until, is honest, yeah. right? And that's something that's like really prominent in the gold market, and something that a lot of like Austrians will say is like, don't buy the spot paper, buy the spot specie, right? Like you want to make sure that you're getting hard asset, and that's an important distinction you said. Uh, for those that don't know, the CME and CBOE, which traded on uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and uh, Chicago Board of Exchange, uh, some of the largest stock exchanges in uh, the world, they're settled in cash um, and BACS futures are actually settled in Bitcoin. Um, so uh, at the end of the day, like Christian said, people were trading backed are actually getting Bitcoin into their backed accounts at the backed warehouse. Uh, but to go back to what Cassie was asking earlier, um, Bitcoin's 24, this is on Masari. Um, they don't have weekly volume it, unless they do. Uh, oh, come on. They've got good data feeds. <laughs> I'm just a dick. Um, yeah, you are a dick. <laughs> Bitcoin magazine or bust. <laughs> um, well, anyway, so they don't have a weekly uh, transaction volume uh, tick or counter. Or if they do, I'm not seeing it and I'm incompetent. But right now, the reported 24-hour volume is $3.39 billion. Um, so we could probably half that say anywhere in the ballpark of like 1.5 billion, I think in 24 hour volume. So, I mean, you're looking at what, like 7 billion over the course of the over the course of the week. So like volume is still like ticking, I think doing pretty well. Um, I'm, I, again, I'm of the mindset that this is just because most institutional investors just already have their, their, their route into Bitcoin. And a lot of what was, uh, a lot of the people that I talked to for this article, uh, due to run hedge funds and things like that. We're basically saying like those who are already in are in and those who want to get in are either neither need more convincing or are waiting for the right, like, you know, the regulatory approval to trade it for their clients, things like that. Um, one thing I want to return to and then I'll sorry, open back up to the table. Uh, I really like Michael's comparison to Lightning Network, this idea of like you could build on Backed because as people have said this week, like Backed is a lot more than just a futures platform, right? Um, conceivably in the future. Uh, backed might open futures to uh, to retail investors, and they're also trying to devise a custody solution and a point of sale solution for merchants, uh, which could be really exciting if you like me are really juiced by the idea of a Bitcoin circular economy. Cool. What's the next subject? All right, next subject is um, oh yeah, the Crypto Ratings Council. Uh, so the news here: Coinbase and Kraken. Uh, Grayscale Investments, Anchorage Custody. Let's see who else. Gemini. Um, Gemini. Um, oh, wait, no, no Gemini. Not Gemini. Bitrex, Poloniex. Uh, well, Circle, but they own Poloniex. Uh, they basically came out this week and published this thing called, uh, or announced this the formation of this thing called the Crypto Ratings Council. And what the Crypto Ratings Council is, it's basically all these companies coming together and creating a de facto. A self-regulatory organization um, to rate the likelihood that an asset will be considered a security by the SEC. So in their first ratings, just to give you guys an idea, like things like Bitcoin, Monero, DAI, Litecoin, and Ethereum, or sorry, not, not Ethereum, but Bitcoin, Monero, DAI, and Litecoin got a one. Uh, Ethereum, Zcash got a two. So did like Agoraland and Chainlink. Shout out to the linklets out there. Um and things like Loom Network, Hydra Hashgraph. <laughs> Christian cannot believe that I said that. Dude, this this motherfucker has a chain link sticker on his laptop. It's almost as bad as walking around with that stupid Neo backpack, but yeah. Hey man, they that was the first though. swag they I ever free. got from a conference. Right, it's free. I wore a decred shirt yesterday because it was free. So. Right? Oh my god. So much free swag. Hey, 
there's a lot of people that need free shit that, you know, don't oh, care. Oh, come off, come off it. Anyway, and so the highest rating they gave, they're not also they're not disclosing which which projects they gave a five, which is pretty interesting. Which means those are the ones that are most vulnerable to be classified as a security by the United States Securities and uh, Exchange Commission. But Maker Dow got a four point five. So David Hoffman, if you're listening, your baby is uh, your baby is at risk. But um, yeah, so a lot of people, this this is really controversial. Um, a lot of people were like, "Why the fuck do you guys have the like? What what gives you the right to make these claims?" To, yeah. Exactly. Can I, can I ask a question? How is this different from those ratings uh, that were that came out a couple Weiss? years ago? Yeah, like Weiss ratings? ratings. How does this compare to that? Um, well, okay, so like you're that's that's pretty <laughs> that's a pretty good question because like they're just as clowny, but like Weiss's ratings were yeah, like these are way less clowny. <laughs> I the mean, Weiss ratings were like just made no fucking. I mean sense. that's pretty fair, yeah. So the Weiss crypto ratings were like actual investment ratings, like in the same way that like you know um, companies will rate triple A mortgages, which are also a joke. Um, but these are actually just—they're not evaluating whether or not it's a smart investment. They're just trying to create a guideline, a, like a rough guideline for saying, okay, this might be a security, this might not be. Um, Got you. And yeah, so what do you think this is intended for mostly? I mean, I think this is mainly just for like themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like, like they're they're not gonna. I mean, I talked to the lawyer running this thing, um, or like help who helped them draft the the guidelines and like the rating system, and they basically said like, yeah, we don't expect regulators to pay attention to this. Like it's 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 purely for exchanges and service providers to know whether or not they might be in hot water for playing with a certain asset. Um, which is really funny because half of the assets that, or most of the assets they mentioned and have listed, like the exchanges on this, like this crypto ratings council have already listed, you know, like Coinbase, for instance, has already listed like all of these, except for, I think, Hedra, Hashgraph, um, Loom Network, Foam, Loom is Decentraland. And I'm pretty, yeah. Is Hash, Loom in is Yeah, Loom's in there. Hashgraph Ask is on Coinbase. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, that's it's really... Literally, that's the strategy. Kind of what it was, yeah. Just slap a fine on there, it'll be fine. Yeah. They've and, got a lot of money. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, that, we're getting to that later. <laughs> um, and one of the... Uh, who was it I talked to? I talked to a securities lawyer, and he basically just said... Uh, I'll actually read the quote from the article, because it was pretty uh, pretty scathing. Um, so was he, it Preston? Uh, no, it was um, this dude named Robert Cornish. He works with Stephen Pauly. Is it Paley? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephen Paley at uh, Anderson and Kill. He said a council, in quotes, of financial service industry participants making affirmative decision determinations on how and when federal and state securities and commodities laws apply to products in which they are transacting business is troubling on several levels, he said. The SEC and CFTC rules on the formation and approval of self-regulatory organizations, like FINRA, for example, are written so that applicants actually inform the regulatory bodies of steps they are taking to have punitive members operate within the bounds of the law. This seems to be more of an ad hoc declaratory judgment forum of a cartel without any judicial or regulatory oversight. So this dude just out here just like putting them on blast, right? Like, so for those of you wondering, like, yeah, this doesn't hold actually any weight. They, they don't have any regulatory say or oversight. All right, here's my take. I, I gave everyone else a chance. But, I mean, this is really, like, they're just trying to self-regulate. They're trying to show that everything is fine, that every asset they've listed is not a five. Like, all this kind of stuff, they're just trying to play. 
And honestly, I'm completely fine with it because as we're going to discuss later on with EOS, like these government institutions and CFTC and SEC that's supposed to be protecting you are not protecting you. And they're utterly incompetent. And this kind of like, I don't know, like dancing around and trying to like appear to you know, be have the, your best interest of your clients and of the people and trying to make sure that they're only exposed to good, not illegal uh, investments. You know, it's just it's just show and they're really just trying to, you know, kind of put lipstick on a pig and make it seem like everything is okay when really, you know, they're they're just playing the game and, you know, they're just trying to make a buck and they really do not give a shit about protecting people, which is fine, but it's just, you know, it's kind of just bullshit that, there's these institutions around that are, you know, essentially, you know, they, they have the power to find, stop you from running your business, stop you from doing this, make, making it extremely difficult to fundraise. But at the same time, they're, you know, they're going to let an EOS just get away with, you know, raising $4 billion very illegally and maliciously. Well, I've, oh, you got, you got, you got something. Well, I was going to just ask, I mean, all, all of you, Christian, uh, does Bitcoin fix this? <sighs> I mean, Bitcoin making it really hard for governments to raise funds and uh, continue to fund these stupid regulations. Yeah, it that does fix it. Bitcoin does literally fix this, everyone. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't does fix, fix this it. at all. Because the, the problem here is, like, there are no clear regulations. I mean, well, well, okay, that's actually controversial. The problem here is that there's stupid agencies that exactly. can make unclear regulations exactly. because they have infinite funding. I don't know. I mean, like... Okay, but like Bitcoiners want it both ways. We want to shit on shitcoins, but then we also want to shit on regulators. No, but sure, the regulators sure. are trying to make sure that people don't lose all their money gambling on shitcoins. But they yes. do a terrible job at it. But yeah, so the pro- and the problem with people regulators, well, the problem with regulators is the incentives. The incentives, like one of you just said, are not aligned the right way. Regulators make their money by doing things that don't necessarily leave everyone else better off. It's more like fees. It's like a fee-based kind of thing where the more work they do or whatever, you can look at it like that is how, that's why they do the work they do. Uh, Bitcoin will make that so much more efficient because they won't have room to be able to, you know, have the position that they do because just incentives economically will kind of price those kind of people out of it. There's no need. Y'all can go ahead and at me on Twitter, but Bitcoin doesn't fix everything. Fixes some things, but it doesn't fix everything. Pierre Richard, if you're listening, please at me. I love you, man. <laughs> um, well, uh, I actually have a lot of comments for what you just said, but I think we let's kind of... Let's get at it. No, let's get at it. Well, I mean, like, so the thing is, like, so so there are two sides of this, right? There's this idea that the SEC has said, you know, the Howey test, for those of you who don't know, the Howey test is a, a uh, theoretical test that you can use. It's like a yes or no kind of questionnaire thing. Just one quick comment about the Howie test. If you, I've asked a couple of like recently graduated securities lawyers about the Howie test and they had never heard of it. So like that's Whoa, to show really? how far it really goes and like what they're teaching you in the classroom out of the textbook and like how practical and realistic it is to actually use something like that in real life. And it's gotten a lot more like... Wait, so wait, wait, let's, let's break down what the so, Howie so test that, is. So the Howie test is this test that is defined in the 1933 Securities Act, which basically is the foundation of all securities law in the United States. And what the Howey's test basically says is uh, security can be defined um, as an asset. This is like totally just like watered down surface level uh, explanation. But it basically says if a centralized entity issues an investment and the people who are buying that investment think that they are buying 
equity in something that will eventually appreciate, then that's probably a security, right? Appreciate based on the salesperson's work. Yeah, right? appreciate basically on the appreciate based on the performance of the company issuing the asset, right? Um, so this is why, for instance, and it's complicated because uh, William Hinman, uh, who is, uh, I can't remember what title he holds at the SEC, but he's, he's one of the big guys. And he basically said uh, last year that uh, Ethereum's ICO was a security sale, but now that Ethereum has sufficiently decentralized, um, that's what he said, I'm not saying that, uh, is since it's done that, it's no longer a security and uh, so, you know, there's two sides of this, right? People say that the Howey test exists and tokens should just fucking register with the SEC. But there's a, kind of what Cassie said, too, where like this is a pretty, like, arcane and, like, frankly, archaic uh, way of deeming whether or not something should be considered a security. And also, the SEC has kind of flip-flopped on, like, what it's going... Like, it's been very, as Nick Carter said on Twitter today, it's been extremely mercurial on what it deems a security and what it doesn't. Wait, uh, so does something... Is something deemed not a security if they hop... If the creators of said security or not a security hop on a panel together and basically collectively agree that they never thought that Ethereum would scale. Are you talking was, about uh, the, the yeah, I'm talking ethereal, about, like, Google Vital suite? Vitalik and uh, Joe Lubin are on the same panel there, and Vitalik is sitting there nodding his head, and Joe goes, yeah, we knew Ethereum would never scale, and Vitalik's like, hmm, yes, exactly. What, what, is, is that just a gotcha kind of thing? What's your What's your question? I was more, I was making a pun. I was yeah. making yes. a joke. More rhetorical, yeah. Yeah, it was very <laughs> rhetorical. I just, I'm confused, like, but on a serious note, you know, this, uh, like, gray line in the how we test area is kind of interesting because it's like the, 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 I guess I could also ask it in a different way, which is that if you knew from the beginning, or, I mean, this obviously they didn't know, we're assuming, but if the original asset isn't uh, meant to, like, be the final pathway to success, then... How do you? How exactly do you regulate and judge the future versions of said asset? Even if they're like Ethereum mm -hmm. 2.0 is a brand new coin and that will have its own price, right? So how do you regulate that? If you know, depending on how you choose what Ethereum 1.0 was, Wait, is it going to be a new coin? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So, Beacon ETH. You have to trade your ETH for Beacon ETH. So wait, really? There will be a period yeah. in time where there's going to be two different versions of ETH uh, floating around. I mean, they're already ETH Classic and stuff, but specifically on this. That yeah. just shows how far removed. Like, ever since I started working at Bitcoin Magazine, I just, like, don't follow any other coin anymore. I used to do it, like, all the time. ETH wrong. is a shit coin. Moving on. Okay, I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's a shit coin. What's the next subject? All right, so actually it would have been really good because Christian nodded to... Uh, EOS, 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 I've, I've heard so many different ones. I call it EOS. 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 Um, but he, he alluded to... Shitcoin number two. When he was talking, <laughs> when he was giving his hot take, when he was giving... Hey, yo, grab me, grab me another one. I'm going to try to pound this. No, I don't want to pilsner. Yeah, grab me. There's pilsner. There's candy chew, there's All right, beer break. Um, so Kristen was talking um, in his analysis about EOS settling with the SEC for running a $4 billion security sale. Uh, a security token to token sale would have been a good transition back then. We're going to do it now. Um, that's the next thing we're coming up with. The big news this week that Block One settled with the SEC for twenty four million dollars for running an allegedly four billion dollar token sale. Uh, as Larry Cermak pointed out at the Block, this is 06 percent of the funds they raised from a year long ICO. Y'all, like, that's fucking wild. 
I, I will. So I'll just I'll start with this right off the bat. Um, I'm going to credit someone else on Twitter. I forgot who. It was probably like Lumidart or something. But somebody asked on Twitter, um, what exactly do you expect? Like, if, if you're surprised by this uh, short, small, minimal fine, what did you think the right amount was supposed to be? Because we haven't seen this before. Uh, what do you, what exactly are you surprised by, and what what were you expecting? If it was illegal, the right amount is forfeit all, all your money, and you're going <laughs> to fucking jail. I mean, it's pretty. Inc- like, no, it's, that would be well, the right way to, to like take him down, right? That or like standardization of the way that they're finding these companies, right? Like what like what exactly backs up the amount that they chose to find them? Like, is it a percentage? Clearly, it's not because. But, I uh, mean, Siacoin settled. I mean, that's a different right. case. Yeah, did Siacoin settle for 150% of their raise? I thought it was zero. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't... So I'm, like, looking into this right now. Uh, My understanding was that Siacoin uh, settled for nothing because the SEC and them, like, talked or something. They so really as a part of Siacoin settlement, this is from... Uh, uh, this is from uh, Stephen Zeng at The Block. Ew, God. Stephen <laughs> good... What? Just... Everything not Bitcoin magazine gets an ew from me. Okay, well, I, 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 for one, support fellow journalists. Especially the block. Um, block the block. Um, as part of the settlement, Stephen writes, Nebulous, that's the company behind Siacoin, right. has agreed to pay penalties and disgorgement of approximately $225,000. Um, so Siacoin also seems to have gotten off pretty okay. Um I think Steven is using disgorgement right here, but disgorgement usually relates to relinquishing, like, money. So, like, in this case, that would be relinquishing assets directly related to the sale, right? So, when 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 EOS settled, um, there was no disgorgement or no rescission order that would say that they had to actually pay back token buyers. Um, so, like, I mean, if we're talking about magnitude, like, EOS got away like a fucking bandit in this. And not only did they get away like a bandit, but, like, so not only do they not pay that much, in my opinion. Nothing. But they also, sorry, last point, Drop in the bucket. But, like, not, but they also have the ability going forward to issue securities tokens based on exemptions by, uh, through rules in the uh, Securities and Exchange Act. I think it's, like, rule uh, A and rule D. So going forward, they can still sell securities tokens to accredited investors if they want to. On the EOS platform? Yes. Um, and this is important for their voice, like, social media thing, which, by the way, funny observation, they paid more for the voice.com domain, $30 million, than they did in the actual settlement, which is crazy. But you were... So Sidecoin, though, had two raises, right? One in 2015 and one in 2018 or 2017. Um, and only one of them was technically fined. Oh, interesting. So one one was huh. like okay because of some very like pedantic, I don't know, loophole, and the other, I don't know. It, it all seems just very like wishy washy to me. Yeah, none it, of it, it none of it really makes sense. None of it is backed in like any sort of like here's the foundation upon which we're going to be finding people, and like these are the rules, and then it's just kind of like slapping. It's very scatter shot yeah. for sure. Yeah. So this is something I've been saying for a long time. All of these tokens, ICOs, whatever, they're essentially attacks on regulators, right? And they are exposing regulators in an extremely high volume way uh, to to essentially all the flaws in the regulation, right? So these regulations are not scalable whatsoever, and they're not enforceable whatsoever. And the hydra of shit that emerged in 2017 is really, really exposing that, right? Um, it's exposing how corrupt the government is, how um, inconsistent 
this inform this enforcement action is and you know how easy it is to hire the right lawyers and get around it and i mean to be honest it's all fucking bullish as hell for bitcoin because all of these people are just so busy trying to handle the hydra of shit and bitcoin is just chugging along that's pretty true that's Take, a good no point. one's touching bitcoin no one's thinking about bitcoin bitcoin is honestly the great example not a security a one I'm gonna, it's hard money i'm gonna put everyone's you in like a, man this is i'm gonna it, put you in like an orange cheerleader outfit <laughs> dude I, I'll, i'm cheerleading baby let's go bitcoin. but one go back to christian's point there i think another thing i'm literally wearing a bitcoin shirt i know you yes. are three days in a row too one of the things well it's actually yellow so is that like bitcoin sv bro Get the fuck out. They were all friends. Get the okay. fuck out. Oh, my God. So Cassie co- made these, okay? Yeah, so for, no, I didn't. For context, guys, this is, a, this is a throwback Bitcoin magazine shirt, and it's got, like, it's got a yellow hue to it. That, that These were printed back in 2014, though, so... Or 2015. The, those were printed in 2019 they're in fresh. January of this year. I'm still pissed that I didn't get one. You can't get one. I'm pissed yeah, off. Never. We got matching shirts get, for a conference. <laughs> well, <laughs> any, so, so back to the block one thing. One of the things I think it's also kind of exposing is not just the failure of regulators, but like the fact that... Um, like I, I talked to Hester Peirce, crypto mom from the SEC, about this a while ago for an article that we published in 2018. But like Congress needs to get on its shit and create some sort of framework and do something to create legislation that will define Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as a unique asset class. Because disagree. But you look at the congressional hearing. Look at how long that was, and by the end of it, do you think that anyone understood what they were talking about? Uh, no, but at least it opened the door for conversation, I guess, but... I would agree. And, you know, like, I also think, like, sure, like, they don't understand it, but they don't have to understand it. You know, they can get a task force of industry professionals in the same way that they would have, you know, Meltem and uh, Jeremy Allaire serving on the panel for those meetings, right? Or for those uh, testimonies. Um, you know, that's what they need. They need something like that. But Christian apparently disagrees with me that we don't need Bitcoin or, like, well, like... Like the, the last thing we need is for the U.S. government to get together and decide what the definitions of shit is. Well, what is much better is for confusion to continue to ensue. So there is resistance and then there's pragmatism, right? And like, like eventually the United States government is going to come together and and, and rule something about cryptocurrencies. Like and hopefully it's, it's a going shitload of senators own a shitload of Bitcoin at that point. I mean, they probably will, God yeah. willing. So let's just let it go. We don't need to rush on any of these actions. That they, that only helps token chills. What were you Not saying? Not necessarily. I mean, so like, think about Lightning Network, for example. Like, because every time you sell Bitcoin, it's a taxable event. The Lightning Network can never be successful until there's clarity on regulation there, right? So like, we do need some sort of clarity. Yeah. See, that's a good point. Like, um, and that, that's like definitely. I think that's like up. Like, the Lightning like, Network won't be successful until Bitcoin stops going up. Not because of the government. All y'all fools making fun of people for wanting to spend Bitcoin too. Like, just hold your coins, bro. It's like, why everyone always? Well, yeah, it's just mass macro incentives. Yeah, it's not even about like making a like like mocking uh, someone that chooses to, but it's more like, well, dude, if you if you've been in Bitcoin, or you don't even have to be in Bitcoin long enough. You've just seen the price history and realized that it ten to twenty x's every two three years. Common sense should not make you want to not spend Bitcoin. So if you choose to spend Bitcoin and you know all those things, the fact that your $20 in Bitcoin today will be worth 
even just a hundred bucks uh, still. Like, why would you spend it if you choose to? That's Cause cause maybe, maybe I, I like want to have fun feeding the chickens, you know? Yeah. That's what, and so. you know what? The thing is, it's it, it's totally fine. But in 10 years, you might be the one looking at how many sats you spent to feed the chickens and been like, fuck. So the reality is not because of government. Like, again, the taxable event thing is a hindrance, but that's only in the U.S. People are not spending Bitcoin globally because of macroeconomic conditions. Yeah, there's a handful of uh, Bitcoiners out there with a... $20,000 Xboxes uh, because they decided to <laughs> or that, seven or million that pizza. dollar what about pizza. That pizza? <laughs> dude, Laszlo, Laszlo's having a good time though. Like if you if you guys saw, so dude, Laszlo's a boss. Yeah, if you saw Respect. the so for anyone who doesn't know, Laszlo, I'm gonna butcher his last name. Hanyak. Hanyak. Sorry, Laszlo. But anyway, so this dude is the pizza guy. He spent ten thousand dollars on the first like 10, recorded ten thousand Bitcoin. Sorry. Then that's a Bitcoin on a pizza in 2011 or 2010. Um, and uh, it was like the first ever recorded Bitcoin purchase. Uh, he actually did it like 10 more times over the course of the year too. Um, but like if you saw the 60 minute interview, dude lives in like a really nice house in Florida. He also invented GPU mining. Yeah, I think yeah. homeboy's doing great. Yeah, homeboy's dude, having a good time. The dude probably has, uh, you know, out, several digit percentage of the Bitcoin network. So... I think he's just had, PG. had had nobody had. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I want to I want to ground it back to this block one news really quickly because one of the things that I thought was really interesting that came out of this um, is this idea. Okay, so like, what happens, right? EOS settles for twenty four million after it raised four billion. Allegedly, people say, but it probably did. Um, and one of the takes was, well, the SEC basically basically just signaled to people. Hey, like run your ICO and then post factum, you could just pay for it and settle with us later. Um, I don't think that that's true. Uh, Stephen Paley and wrote a really good op-ed uh, about it, and he basically said like anyone who says that doesn't know what they're talking about because this was a one-off thing for EOS, uh, a very powerful organization, also hired really great lawyers. But I just kind of wanted to open that up for discussion, see what y'all think about that. Bullish for tether. That's all I have to say. What? Wait, no, no, no. Expound. The, what do you the mean? organization behind EOS also backs Tether. Wait, what? They're, they're Block together. One? Block One, Tether, Bitfinex, Ifinex, they're all in a cabal together. Bullish for Tether. I don't know if that's bullish, bullish dude. That just shows like a cartel of like yeah. very powerful yeah. interests. So, I mean, the it, like if you, if you think that the US is going to take down Bitcoin, <laughs> they can't even fucking take down EOS. Or Tether. Or Tether. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next subject? No, that's it. What's your take? <laughs> What's my take? Uh, dude, I mean, it's it just the overall situation just shows that there's a lack of clarity. And uh, I just think it's all, you know, it's crazy because at the end of the day, we're all just, um, why are we interested? Why are we involved? It's because we have skin in the game in this industry somehow or some way, whether that's Bitcoin, hopefully, or just anything, even like, you know, your career, um, if you're someone that works in the space. So it's just fun to watch all this play out. And um you know, there's really no. I don't have any opinions on it. Like, History whatever. being written before <laughs> exactly. very yeah. eyes. I'll let them form the opinions a hundred years from now. You know, I feel like when you're buying goodwill with the government, money is power, and they got a shit ton of money. So yeah, they do. And if you if you read like if you want to make sense of uh, the waiver for the settlement that EOS signed, and also just like the parameters of the settlement, Catherine Wu, as ever, has a really good annotated version on it. Um, I would definitely recommend reading that. Um, 
Also, I know we allotted these three stories, but I want to talk about just like one more thing really quickly. Yeah, we got time. If y'all have been paying attention in the, the news, you know that Hong Kong is going through some growing pains right now. A lot of protests, something like 2 million Hong Kong residents have like, like on uh, uh, any given day have like come out and, uh, have protest, um, this, uh, it's basically an agreement with the Chinese government, an extradition agreement, uh, where, uh, political, political prisoners or people, um, enemies of the state as what they would say can be extradited from Hong Kong, uh, to, to mainland China. But, uh, in light of all this stuff, uh, local bitcoins volume in Hong Kong hit an all time high recently. And I think that's fascinating because that is that is stress testing Bitcoin's adoption in a place where arguably Bitcoin is already probably pretty popular like it is in America, uh, in the United States, I should say, and in parts of Europe. Uh, but it mimics what we've seen in other places of socioeconomic and political duress like Venezuela, Iran, Colombia, Russia, Russia. Yeah. So just kind of wanted to throw that out there as kind of a rounding out thing. The only thing I'll add to that is I think it's when we talk about like seeing high Bitcoin volumes in places of socioeconomic distress that are more third world country as opposed to somewhere like Hong Kong. I think it's important to understand like, yes, Bitcoin is really helpful in places like Venezuela and Colombia and Argentina. But for the majority of the population, especially like right now in Venezuela, they just want something to eat and like they don't have right. power. They don't have access to Wi-Fi. So it's the still idea, a privilege. Yeah, yeah, it's still a privilege. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out to a rhythm trader who said. That uh, last month, protesters called for a run on the Chinese banks, and it seems like with this news we're talking about right now, uh, it seems that they're taking it one step further by opting out of the entire system. Respect. What's your take, CK? Yeah, I just think it's super, super interesting to keep seeing this narrative be re-proven out. And Hong Kong is very much a first world city and con- city-state, whatever you want to classify it. Um, so we've seen this in the third world where their fiat is garbage and where you can kind of expect Bitcoin to be the best option. But here we are, Hong Kong, one of the banking centers of the entire world with extremely powerful currency, you know, with the established business sector. And here we go. Bitcoin is, is plan B. Bitcoin is where people are actually turning to when they need it. Absolutely, man. And, you know, it's like, let's just uh, wait and see when we get those kind of volumes uh, in the U.S. I mean, we already have like Pretty pretty strong investor scene in, into Bitcoin. But. Yeah, the Americans are stacking sats, but in the words of, of Matt O'Dell, <laughs> safety in Satoshi's. And stay humble, stack sats, everybody. All right, guys, well, I think that rounds out our first week of Bitcoin Magazine Happy Hour. Cassie, where can people find you? Uh, Bitcoin Cass on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Twitter too. Last name, uh, Tyberg, T A I B E R G. And the Bitcoin Magazine unboxing videos as well. Michael's yes. an up and coming <laughs> star, baby. Product reviews. Stay tuned. Where can they find you, Christian? Yeah, at CK underscore snarks and my podcast at POV CryptoPod. It's the Bitcoin versus Ethereum podcast. And you can find me at As I Lay Hodling or As I Lay Hodling, depending on how you uh, pronounce it. And you can also just find me by searching my name, C O L I N H A R P E R. But uh, anyway, thanks guys for tuning in to the pilot episode. Uh, keep your uh, eyes and ears peeled for next week and have Just a good ears. weekend. Just ears. No, I want them to peel their eyes too. Hey, cheers. Cheers, cheers guys. Cheers. Let's go.